Well, good morning and welcome to CCC. My name is Greg Gertis, um, and it's my pleasure uh, to be here on the Sunday before Thanksgiving to, to uh, give this message with a, with a snowy day in our background. So this is a pretty amazing, pretty amazing day in Beijing. Um, and we're going to talk about one of my favorite holidays, and that's Thanksgiving. And we're, I want to discuss how we are Thanksgiving people. So the time is 1607. King of England, based on decisions made at the Hampton Court Conference three years earlier, is having a new version of the English Bible printed. At that time in Beijing, China, Jesuit priest Matteo Risi becomes the first European to enter the Forbidden City. Pretty interesting. The Virginia Company also sets off with three ships, the Susan Constant, Discovery, and Godspeed, and establishes what would be in America the first surviving colony. And a group of religious dissidents who believed it was necessary to separate from that Church of England take their first step of separation by moving to Holland. Thirteen years later, those separatists set sail on the Mayflower for, the, for a new life in a new land. The 26-man crew sailed while the 102 passengers were underneath. And the size of the area they were in was 80 feet by 25 feet by 5 and a half feet. So if we take this row of seats, and we're close to 100 people, not quite, and extend it from me to the end at 5 and a half feet, which all of you are taller than, that's what they had for 66 days. You can't leave here. And by the way, you're going to be doing this for 66 days. Their destination was the Hudson Bay, which is in now modern-day New York. But due to storms, and they had lots of storms, in fact, their mast was broke on one occasion. They ended up in what is now Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And on November 11, 1620, they landed. And one of the passages they read was that Psalm 100 that we just did, Thanksgiving to the Lord. The 66-day journey, they covered 2,750 miles. That means they averaged less than two miles an hour. That's half walking, normal walking speed. And they spent the first winter on that Mayflower while they were building your homes. However, that winter was brutal, and over half of them died that first winter, or about half of them died. And in the spring, but luckily in the spring, they formed a relationship with the Wapanog tribe that was there and they taught them how to hunt and fish and to plant. And by autumn, they had an abundance of food. And so they invited the Wapanam to join them for a three-day feast. And this celebration, this 1621 celebration, is commonly thought of by the Americans as the first Thanksgiving. But it's not the end of our story. You see, it wasn't until a little over 200 years later that Sarah Hale, an influential editor and writer who is considered the mother of Thanksgiving, Petition, who petitioned U.S. presidents and congressmen for 36 years saying we need a holiday, and especially with the current unrest that was in the United States at that time. And finally, in, in 1863, it was proclaimed a national holiday by President Lincoln. And by the way, Mrs. Hale is also the one who penned many of the recipes that we currently still use today and is the author of a little rhyme, Mary had a little lamb. So let's uh, begin in prayer um, as we go into this message. Father, uh, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the people gathered here. Be with those who 
wherever they may be, in sickness or in health, and just fill them with your spirit. Father, thank you for the opportunity for us to share this time together in community, jointly worshiping you. Thank you for the music that roused our hearts, and may your spirit continue to rouse our hearts now. And in the words of my servant, your servant David, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. So, so this week, many of us are going to partake in, in a celebrating the tradition of Thanksgiving. Although it's a little bit different than what you see in this picture here, the 1621, uh, of, that kind of represents what happened then. For me, Thanksgiving brings back a lot of fond memories. We have food, football, floats, forefathers, friends, family, fellowship, Friday, and looking forward to the future. All right, we'll try that again. Food, football, floats, forefathers, friends, family, fellowship, uh, Friday, and looking forward to future festivities. Thank you. All right, amen. Okay. So it's a truly amazing holiday of traditions. We don't have all the time tonight to discuss them, so sorry guys and Elizabeth, but we're not going to be able to talk about football today, okay? We'll, we can talk about that later. But my four topics today um, are going to be on food, fellowship, Friday, and looking forward. So first food. Thanksgiving feasting is like no other holiday in America. Yes, we have traditional meals on other holidays, but Thanksgiving is very specific. It centers around a turkey, and according to a 2014 CNN poll, 86% of all Americans will eat turkey on Thanksgiving, which means 50 million turkeys will be consumed. My mom is a master of Thanksgiving dinner. Not only does she make a great turkey, there's mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, stuffing, there's green beans, Salad greens, lime green jello, there's corn, cranberries, casseroles, and don't even get me started on the desserts, apple pie, pecan pie, uh, pumpkin pie. We truly eat very well. Your plate isn't big enough to fit everything on there, so of course you have to go back for seconds and thirds. And you may have heard the rumor that there's this amino acid tryptophan in Turkey that makes you tired. Now, the reason you're tired is you just consume 5,000 calories in a one-hour period, <laughs> and, you, and, and your body naturally is going to go into a coma. <laughs> and this is kind of, it's actually, you, uh, the United States is not unique in this. There are cultures all over the world for many years that celebrate a Thanksgiving-style feast. Second point about Thanksgiving is family and friends, or basically fellowship. I mean, how else are you going to consume a 20-pound turkey and all this stuff unless you invite friends and family over? And it's about spending time together and reflecting. We often take a moment to say, what do we have thanks for, uh, to be thankful for this year? And it's also one of the busiest travel days of the year. Why? Because Thanksgiving by yourself, which can be done, just isn't the same. It's better if you're spending it with people. So what about our third point, Friday? I thought Thanksgiving was on Thursday. You are correct. However, part of our Thanksgiving tradition is the following Friday, Black Friday. All the ladies are smiling because they enjoy Black Friday. I'm not a big fan of it myself. Okay, it marks the beginning of the Christmas holiday season and is considered one of the busiest shopping days of the year. In fact, Americans will spend about $50 billion, that's with a B, on that day uh, of shopping. And so... Why is it called Black Friday? 
Because with all the spending, many retail stores are said to finally make a profit. And so they get into the black. Prior to that, you're in, it's an accounting term. My wife, who's an accounting person, could probably tell this better. But prior to that, they used to write in red when you're in the negative. But when you get into the black, so Black Friday is an important day for all the retail uh, stores. And our final point is looking forward to the future. Thanksgiving marks the beginning of that Christmas season. Radio stations, shopping malls, Starbucks, even here in Beijing, all start to play Christmas music. Um, stores are filled with holiday decorations, and homes are filled with Christmas trees and presents and scented candles. In the Midwest, where I'm from, the weather gets cold just like this, and it begins to snow, and you can just feel the spirit of Christmas after Thanksgiving. And everything, no matter how difficult, you can put up with it because you know Christmas is coming. So let's sum it up. Thanksgiving is about abundance of food or meeting our physical needs, spending time with friends, family, our emotional and relational needs are met, fabulous deals on Friday because God wants us to have gifts and buy them for others, and finally looking forward to a celebration, the, the big celebration of Christmas. So we can stop here, you know, it's a happy Thanksgiving message, but you might say, hey Greg, you know, this year really hasn't been everything I thought it was going to be. In fact, I'm not sure how much I really have to be thankful about. Money's tight. You know, we, my needs aren't being met. Um, my relationships have been suffering. My spouse and I are at each other a little bit. You know, no matter how I try to reach out to my kids, I'm having problems with that. There's been an injured or sick family member, and it's really taken its toll on us. My job isn't going well. I'm not, no, you know, I don't even know where I'm going to be next year, or even if I'm going to have a job, we're going to end up moving. There's all these challenges. I'm, I'm kind of at a loss. Or what if you live in Paris right now, and your whole world just got turned upside down? God, I've been following you faithful, but it appears you aren't listening. You know, the more I think about it, I don't have a whole lot to be thankful so let's turn to 1 Peter 1, 1 through 12, and I don't know if we got it on here, but I'm going to read it. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you may not have seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 
concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointed when he predicted the suffering of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke of these things that have now been told, told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look at these things. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So let's unpack Peter's message to us and see how it relates to us being Thanksgiving people. I'm going to follow Peter's uh, order here in addressing our four points, so we're going to skip a little bit. And he begins with fellowship. His relationship... He begins with addressing his relationship to those churches and also their relationship to each, of the, um, to, to each of the persons of the Trinity, to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Christian life is a relational experience built on the foundational relationship between the three members of the Trinity. Thus, relationships and staying connected is crucial to the Christian life. Why is that? And I'm going to give you an example. How many of you have had an older sibling, an older brother or sister, and you remember when you were a kid and they left the house to go to college or move out on their own? Or maybe you were part of a tight-knit group and one of those members had to leave. Or maybe we have the example right here today of Todd and Nancy. There's something that that uniquely happens when you have a tight-knit group of family or friends when one of those members leaves. The dynamics changes. It's not just that we're going to miss you, Todd and Nancy. It's that your impact on those around you, we're going to miss what you bring out in other people. And that's the same thing that happens in the Christian family. I think of my wife um, as an example. When we had been married a few years, I thought I knew that woman. I was in love with her, and I, I thought she was amazing. But when we had our first child, I got to see a whole nother aspect of her, a whole nother side of my wife. And when her, her birth mother came to live with us, I got to see another side of my wife. And I learned that there was so much more to her than I, really, uh, than I originally realized. <clears throat> my son is, leaving for high, is, is graduating high school this year, and he'll be heading off to college. I'm very excited for that. But I know I'm going to miss him when he leaves, and I'm going to miss the effects he has on those other family members in our house. And so when we think of that, if just with regular people is that a community and a variety of experiences, you know, help me to get to know my, my wife and my other family members. Now, wouldn't this also hold true with our relationship with the Savior? Seeing how Christ operates in lives of those around me, hearing the stories and um, of witnessing of what Christ, how Christ affects the men and the women in this church, actually affects me. Now, can and should you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Just like you can celebrate Thanksgiving by yourself, but the true experience is, is when we fellowship with others like we are today. 1 John 1, 3-4 We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. And John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends, for everything I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. 
The Trinity is all about relationships, and Christ gave us that example when he called us his friends. So our second point is Friday, seen in verse 3. And this one's pretty simple. Speaking in accounting terms, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you are operating in the black, period, end of story. The debt has been paid. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And Colossians 2, 13 through 14. When you were dead in your sinner, in your sins, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. This concept of a paid debt reminds me of the hymn. Of Jesus paid it all by Evelyn Hall. And the chorus goes, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And so that song pretty much covers how Good Friday, how Good Friday on the cross has become our Black Friday. Christ has paid the debt. It's all taken care of. If you have not come to the cross and accepted Christ as your personal and Savior, I invite you to do so today after the service and meet with one of the elders. Christ has already paid the debt. You don't need to clean up. You don't need to change anything. You just need to show up. And he waits at the door, as in Revelations 3.20, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. And they with me. So our next point is looking forward. Verse 6, in all this you greatly rejoice. Our debt has been paid. Though for now, a little while, you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. Here's where we get to the heart of the message here. And deal with all those dilemmas I was talking about earlier. As Christians, we have a living hope. A kept inheritance Shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation. As we said, the debt is paid and Christmas is coming, except this time, instead of a babe in a manger, we have a, we have a king who's returning, a con- who conquered death. However, and we always know that there's a ho- however, winter is coming, just like we see outside. The weather's weather's getting colder, snow is falling, which makes roads more treacherous. We saw the accident out there coming over the bridge this morning. There are final exams at school and deadlines to be met at the office. See, as Christians, we often mistakenly think that, well, I'm a Christian. Everything should be all taken care of. My circumstances are going to get better. And now, while I believe a life following the wisdom of the Bible has its benefits in avoiding trouble... Nowhere in the Bible does it say, does God say, promise better life circumstances. He promises a better life. And he uses the good time and the bad times that we run into. He doesn't cause those bad times, but they are there. And even with those good and bad times, he helps to build us a better life and one that's going to allow him to work through us. But why? Why must we suffer? I thought the debt was paid. But we see this in verse 7. 
These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now, I'm not a metallurgist, um, but I do know that when you're purifying gold, it is heated to intense temperatures. The slag or impurities are burned off to rise to the surface and are removed until only pure gold remains. And we, like gold, also must be refined, which reminds me of an actual story of, of faith being um, that was tested in the book of Daniel, where faith was, true, uh, was truly tried by fire, in the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and a bumblebee. All right, for all you veggie tail people, you caught that, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and a bendigo. All right. So, Shadrach, Meshach, and uh, Abednego, now I can't even say it. <laughs> Abednego refused to fall down and worship the idol. And they said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is, is able to de deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. King Nebuchadnezzar became so furious, he said, heat that oven up seven times hotter. And when the men grabbed, the strong men grabbed him to put them in, some of them were even burnt up. But then he saw inside and he goes, weren't there three men that we threw into the fire? How come I see a fourth? And he looks like the son of the gods. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out. And they all surround him, and they see that their bodies are unharmed. Not a hair on their head just sin, uh, heads are sin, uh, singed. Their robes are not scorched, and there's no smell of fire on them. And King Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted, they trusted in him. The point I want to make here on this one is that that fourth man, an angel of the Lord, who is now the spirit who's with us, who is walking with them in the fire, is always with us now. It's just that we really aren't always looking for him when things are going well. It's not that <clears throat> he isn't, the, the fourth man didn't appear just for this one event. Rather, he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego the entire time, just like he's with you and me, in the small challenges of life, as well as our big fiery furnaces that we might be going through right now. What I found interesting when I was studying this passage, though, is that it never mentions Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego acknowledging that fourth man. And when King Nebuchadnezzar calls him out, he's, you don't see him there either. You only saw him in that, in that event. Which leads me to believe that another reason for our trials, whether we like it or not, is that <clears throat> the reason we face them is to bless others. So that when others are watching us as we walk faithfully in these hard situations. In the Great Commission, Christ tells us, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Just like he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. 
and they're standing up and they're doing the right thing and walking faithfully made a huge change on that King Nebuchadnezzar. So what about our first point, food? Let's go back to the first point. So we need to have fellowship. We got that. The debt's been paid. Got it. And we will face all kinds of trials. Not really excited about it, but we, we understand. But how do we, like the pilgrims, survive? So verses 10 through 12 go over, By grace that has come to us through the gospel message, that is revealed and written down by the prophets of old, and to the witnesses who saw and proclaimed the message of Jesus Christ. The message is right here with us, and we call it the Bible and the Spirit of the Lord, who is in our hearts and our minds. John 1, 1 The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John 14, 16 through 17. And I will ask the Father, and He will give another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and be with you. See, the Holy Spirit lives with us now, and we can call on Him daily. So coming back to our pilgrims, we, like them, have received a bountiful harvest. Theirs was a food that they were able to share. But we've been given the message of Jesus Christ, who lives with inside of us, for us to share, and it nourishes us and needs to be given to those around us. Can we have an impact? Uh, absolutely. Let's uh, look at those pilgrims. They made that, that journey, and yet half of them died when they, about half of them died when they arrived. They gave thanks to God for providing for them, and they shared in their abundance. And guess what? According to history.com, nearly 35 million people can trace their ancestry back to that original group of pilgrims, including presidents like John Adams, Franklin D. Roosevelt, and movie stars like Marilyn Monroe and Clint Eastwood. So let's recap. To be thanksgiving people, we need to be in fellowship with each other. If you're not in a men's group, come and talk to me. We can hook you up. If you're not in a women's group, Miss Gates, wherever she's at, she's not here. We can, please meet with her. Um, if you want your children involved, uh, We've got a great children's ministry. You can reach out. This is a great opportunity. Understand also that the debt has been paid. You just have to claim the receipt. We're living, we've got Black Friday. Everything's been paid for. Actually, we have uh, the, best, the best gift of all is the crisis came and he's, he's risen again. Now, the big thing is our faith will be tested. But one of the things is we have a living hope a living hope to rely on. And as winter comes, we can still look forward to our life in heaven with Christ. And finally, praise be to the Lord. He has provided His Spirit to carry us through this time. So finally, let me call the, if the band wants to come up. I want to close with that, the last sentence um, in this passage. And it says, Even angels long to look into these things. So isn't that amazing that even the angels who have been there from the beginning, who live in heaven 
and know how it is going to end. They're excited about the gospel message as well and rejoicing in it. And in fact, Revelations 4, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. May we have their same enthusiasm as Thanksgiving people. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the message that you gave today. And we have so much to be thankful for, yet sometimes our circumstances just overwhelm us. Lord, we need your help. Connect us with others so we may know you more dearly. Remind us that you already paid the debt and that we can't earn it ourselves. We ask that you are gentle in refining us and let us feel your presence during our trials. Finally, thank you for the gift of your blessed Son and the indwelling of your Spirit. May we daily abide in you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.